Well, hello, Parkview. Uh, it's great to be with you uh, this weekend. And I know probably some of you are thinking, you know, who is that mountain man with all of the hair? Uh, I haven't had a haircut for like three months, uh, maybe like some of you. Uh, but uh, all that being said, it's great to be together this weekend. And for the last few weeks, we have been talking about life on mission. And you know, there are five different expressions that we have considered to living our lives on mission. And those are to serve, to share, to connect, to grow, and to pray. And today we're going to take a little time and dive deeper into prayer. And in order to do that, we're gonna go back, 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 back to the very first church and the very first followers of Jesus. So stay with me here. Here's how the very first church began to really experience life on mission. Jesus was crucified, right? And then three days later, he rose from the grave. Now we call that Easter. But between Easter and Jesus ascending into heaven, 40 days went by. And then just before Jesus ascended into heaven, here's what he said to his followers. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we've looked at this verse a whole lot, right, during this Life on Mission series. It says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But do you know what the very next verse says in Acts chapter 1? Check this out. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, to put that verse into our world today, Jesus decided to work from home right? I mean, after Jesus' resurrection, he spent 40 days here on this earth, and then he decided to go back to heaven and essentially work from home, like most of us are doing these days. And here's a really cool thing that links you and me to those first followers of Jesus. That is 10 days after Jesus went to heaven, decided to work from home, it was Pentecost, Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. And that is when the first church and the first followers of Jesus really began to live their lives on mission. And here's what's amazing. Do you know what this weekend is for us? This weekend is Pentecost. This weekend is exactly 50 days since Easter. Now, on Pentecost, those first followers of Jesus, um, they didn't know what was going to go on. They, they were scared. They were nervous. And so Jesus has gone. So they're all huddled in a room praying after Jesus goes back to heaven. Check this out. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. <laughs> Listen. Prayer is what everyone does during difficult times, right? I mean, for these first followers of Jesus, their lives had been turned upside down, so they were praying. Our lives have been turned upside down, so a lot of us are praying. So often in the last few months, we hear politicians and our president say, you know, we're lifting up our prayers for the nation. 
or we hear athletes or celebrities say, we're sending out our prayers to the world. Or maybe you've had friends or family say to you, they're passing on their prayers to you. And guess what? That's all good. But what does it really mean? I mean, are prayers like just some mysterious thing that, you know, we lift up and we send out and we pass on to others? Today, we're going to look at what prayer really is so we can really do it. You see, prayer is an essential thing in the life of anybody who wants to live on mission. I'll also tell you this, Parkview. For many years, there was a fundamental problem in my prayer life. And my best guess is many of you are going to be able to resonate with this. And the problem was this, that most of my prayers were monologues and not dialogues. They were monologues and not dialogues. I was treating God kind of like he was a worker at a fast food restaurant, right? I mean, we've all done a lot of fast food during this quarantine season. I kind of expected to pull up to the window, place my order with God, and have him deliver like two minutes later exactly what I ordered. And because of that, I was continually frustrated by prayer because it was a monologue to God, not a dialogue with God. So I'm excited to share this message with you today because I think it gives a great representation of like what really happens behind the scenes. This is like a backstage pass into what happens when we pray. So the first part is that we talk to God, right? We know that about prayer. We talk. In the Bible, in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, starting in verse 5, look at what Jesus says about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans because they think they will be heard for their many words. There's all kinds of things Jesus says here about prayer. The first thing is that we should pray regularly. In verse 5, 6, and 7, Jesus says, and when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, Jesus assumes that all of his followers are going to have a regular time of prayer woven into the daily fabric of our lives. And, and here's the thing. If you're a morning person, that's great. Pray in the morning. If you're a night owl, that's great. Pray all night. The time of day is not the main thing. The main thing is that you and I make an appointment for some uninterrupted time alone with God every day. We're supposed to pray regularly. In addition to that, the Bible says we should pray humbly. In verse 5, it says, you know, don't keep on babbling like, you know, the hypocrites are uh, in the street corners uh, to be seen by men because they've received their reward in full. And, and pray humbly. Have you ever been to a church or, or been around a group where as soon as it's time to pray, these folks just kind of go into these huge, like long, flowery, ultra dramatic, like super impressive prayers? It's like as soon as somebody starts praying, you want to say to them, that doesn't sound like you, you know, you don't normally talk like that. Here's what Jesus realized. Jesus realized that there's this tendency inside of us to want to impress people by the way we pray. I know that sounds silly, but it's true. 
Sometimes we want to pray the perfect prayer in order to get praise from people. And you know what Jesus says? He says, listen, you know what? You can do that. You can pray in order to get praise from people. But if you do that, if you use prayer as a way to impress people, then congratulations. That applause that you got from those people, you better enjoy it because that is your reward. I think that's why Jesus says to pray humbly. And then he goes on to say, pray privately, right? In in verse six, he talks about go into your room and close the door and, and pray to your father who is unseen. And God will reward you for that. I think what Jesus is saying in pray privately is Jesus is saying, hey, get some social distance, right? Get some social distance when you pray. Now, Jesus obviously isn't saying that it's wrong to pray in public. He's just stressing how crucial it is for you and me to pray in private, a place where there's few distractions, a place where you can really concentrate. It's a private place where no one is judging or rating your prayer. It's a private place where your prayer is more desperate than it is detailed. It's it's more real than it is rehearsed, right? And here's what I can promise you, Parkview. I can promise that if you'll begin to pray regularly and humbly and privately, I can guarantee you what's going to happen next in your prayer life. And that is God is going to listen. He's going to listen. Don't let that slide by too fast. God is ready to listen to you. You see, the miracle, the miracle of prayer is not that we talk. It's not. The miracle of prayer is not that we talk. The miracle of prayer is that God listens. And it's the listening of God that actually makes our feeble human words into intelligible prayers. One of the first times I learned this was when our kids were young. Maybe some of you have young kids uh, right now. I remember like when our son Cole, who's in college now, sometimes when he was small, he would wake up in the middle of the night, you know, and get sick and kind of have this fever and, you know, he'd be all sweaty and he would try and pick his big, you know, head up off of his pillow. His head felt so heavy and, and he couldn't pick it up off his pillow. So all he would do is just moan. He would lay in bed and go, ma. Ah, he would just just kind of moan. And you know what? He didn't even know what he was saying. But you know what? It didn't matter. Because as soon as he began to moan, the hall light would flash on. And Cole's mom would quickly come alongside his bed into his room. And she would assess what was going on. And and then she would return with like a humidifier and some medicine and some cool towels and almost always Cole's juicy cup. I can't even tell you, friends, how many times that type of communication was accomplished in our house. Not because Cole knew what he needed, right? All Cole knew is that he was sick. Not because Cole chose and crafted just the right words. All he did was moan. But listen, the communication was accomplished because his mom was listening. And even more than listening, she was able to interpret the moan. You see, it's my wife Renee that actually shaped the cry into communication. And I want you to know, it's the same way with me and you and God. In the Bible, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, we don't even know what we ought to pray for. We don't even know. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The bottom line is this, when you and I begin to pray, the light goes on in the hallway of heaven. And it doesn't matter if your prayers are articulate or ignorant or quiet or loud or clear or muffled. Listen, God is always listening. And listen, the miracle of prayer 
is certainly not that we talk, but surely the miracle of prayer is that God listens to us, right? And if God is going to spend all that time listening to us, just like in any other normal conversation, we can expect that God's going to want to respond to us. And this is the part of our communication with God as we strive to live our lives on mission. This is the part where God actually talks, speaks to us. God talks. Now, when it comes to those first disciples who were living on mission, they had Jesus right there, right? I mean, Jesus could talk to God on their behalf. But for us today, as you and I strive to experience life on mission, you know what one of the biggest frustrations I often hear from people? One of the biggest frustrations I hear is this, Todd, I just, I don't know if God is hearing my prayers. I don't know if God is hearing or answering my prayers. And I just want to say this to you. We serve a talkative God that listens to and responds to all of our prayers. You say, Todd, all of our prayers? Seriously? Yeah, all of our prayers. Now, he may not respond the way you want him to, but he always responds. Let me share with you some ways that God responds to us in our prayer lives. I learned these things all the way back in college, and these four things have guided my life tremendously over the last, you know, 20, 25 years. First of all, when we're praying to God, if the request, if the prayer request is wrong, God says no. He just says no. I mean, we can pray some pretty self-centered, short-sighted prayers, can't we? Do you ever find yourself praying for like your wishes instead of God's will? I know that I do. It's like I want my mission, not so much his mission, right? In James chapter 4, verse 3, it says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God loves me enough to say no. Can you imagine where you would be today if God said yes to every single one of your prayer requests? If God always said yes, my life would be a mess. Sometimes the request is wrong and God says no. Secondly, if the timing is wrong, if the timing of the request is wrong, God says slow. Now, this is worse than no, right? We just want to say, ah, oh, God, you know, don't tell me no, you know, uh, don't, don't, don't say slow, just, just say no. Just, just say, just, if you're going to say no, say no, don't say slow, right? That's the way we feel a lot of times. I mean, have you ever got in an argument with God over his timing with your prayers? Have you ever said something like, God, okay, here's my prayer, and I need you to take care of this, like, right now, right? Or at least I need you to take care of this by first thing Monday morning. I'll give you till Monday morning. And I think God responds by saying, you know what? I understand that you have a timeline, uh, but oftentimes, you know, God's timeline is not congruent with our timeline. And so God says slow sometimes to our prayers because the timing isn't right. If the timing's not right, it's a slow. If you are wrong, here's the third thing. If you are wrong, God says, grow. As I look at my prayer life, I can promise you, it's this third one that most often short circuits my communication with God. There are things in my life, a lot of times that I know I, I need to confess. I need to admit some things. 
so that I can move on with God. And when I admit those things to him, he's not looking down going, oh my goodness, I can't believe, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any idea. No, he already knows. I'm just admitting to him what he already knows. Did, did you know that unresolved, unconfessed, unadmitted sin can actually short-circuit our prayers and communication with God? Look at this verse in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. It says, listen, the Lord is not too weak to save you, and he's, he's not becoming deaf. He can hear you when you call, but there's a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God. And because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen any more. Parkview, the number one thing, the number one thing, friends, that can repair and restore that open line of communication and get us back to living our lives on mission with God is sincere, authentic, heartfelt, humble confession. Just confession, growing ourselves. But here's the last thing I want us to know. If the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says, go. He says, go, let's do it. And I don't think anything jazz has got up more than answering your prayers and my prayers. But the irony is a lot of us never stick around to hear what God has to say. This is the part of our communication with God where we listen we spend some time listening to him, not just talking to him, but listening to him. And this is where prayer becomes broken for most of us. Because as we take time to pray, we're pretty sure that God is listening. But then as God begins to talk, you know what we do? We walk off. And our communication never becomes a full-fledged conversation because we're just too busy to listen. In the Bible in Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 3. It says, come to me with your ears wide open and listen for the life of your soul is at stake. You know, one of the most unexpected, I think, outcomes of this whole shelter in place and quarantine season is that it has caused all of us to really slow down. And, and the deal is, even when you and I have margin and the time to slow down, it is so hard to slow down, right? I mean, if, if you're sitting there today and you feel like it's hard to slow down, listen, I am with you. It is so hard for me to slow down. I love moving fast. And guess what? Moving fast, that works in a lot of areas of our life, but it doesn't work in the area of listening. You can't listen fast. It just can't happen. So here's what I want to do today. I want to share with you how I slow myself down and listen to God every morning. I do that through a journal. I keep just a small little journal that I can just write in. And keeping a journal is simply keeping track of what God is doing in your life. And I want you to know that my journal is just like a small, you know, little tablet. And some days I write a lot in that. And some days I write just a little bit, but I always write something in it. And then when I'm done writing, you know what I do in my journal? Just this little tablet of paper. When I'm done writing, I just draw a circle. I draw a circle in my journal and I just set and I just wait and, and, and I allow God some time to just speak to me. 
about what he may be saying to me in my life. I spend some time talking and writing, and then I just draw a circle and say, God, what do you want to say to me? And and you know what? If you look through my journal, (laughs) I can tell you this, you would be completely unimpressed. If you grabbed my journal and looked at it, you would be unimpressed because I don't think I've ever really written anything that profound in my journal, but I'll tell you what, that's also not the point. The point is that I have slowed myself down each day to listen to God. Sometimes, for me, the only way I can be sure that God hasn't lost His voice in my life is to go back and read through my journal. So friends, listen, here's just a challenge for you today. As we're trying to live life on mission and pray and communicate to God and listen to Him, maybe since we have some time in this season of our lives, maybe you should just go grab a little tablet and begin to journal and write out your time with God. And as you do that, see if God doesn't answer prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer in your life. So here's what I want us to do today. Wrap up this whole idea of prayer and living our lives on mission. Before you get up right now and go on with your day, let's just spend a moment being quiet. Can we do that? Before we stand up and move on, let's be quiet. Let's listen to God. And and if you want to, just get a posture of of prayer or listening. Maybe you want to just kind of open up your hands or something like that, or maybe you just want to bow your head down and be reverent before God. Maybe you just want to sit back where you are and close your eyes. Go ahead and get in that posture of listening to God. And let me ask you this. What is God speaking to you today? What's He speaking to you today? How is God calling you to grow? How is He calling you to grow in your life? How is God calling you to connect with other people. When it comes to your neighbors, when it comes to your friends, do you feel like God is calling you to share and be a witness? Maybe right now somebody comes to mind that you need to send a text to or an email. Somebody that you need to share and be a witness to. What about when it comes to your city. What is God saying to you about your city? How can you serve the people of the city that you live in? We know that God wants us to live on mission and serve and share and connect and grow and pray. And my guess is if we'll be quiet and just listen to Him, He'll share with us exactly how We can do that. So let's wrap up together today. Let me lead us in prayer. Would you do that? Just bow your heads right now if you're comfortable. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the tremendous privilege of communicating with you. God, we know that when we're praying, we're not just throwing up a few wishes on our knees that that hit the ceiling and then bounce back down. God, we know that the miracle of prayer is not that we are talking, but that you are listening. And God, we know that you want us to live on mission and we want to live on mission for you. So God, speak to us and help us know how to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen.